Thank you, Daniel. As uh, Dan mentioned, for those of you who are new here, we have, we're one church, but we meet in two locations here and down the Ashley Road. So I'm speaking at both this morning. So once I've finished speaking here, I'll be heading out the door and uh, going down there. So if you're new here, I'm sorry we to meet you at the end because uh, I'll be down at our other site. Right, let me just give you... Um, talk for a few minutes about the shape of this coming term. We are starting this week and next week, and then in the middle of the term, and then at the end of the term, just before Christmas, we're doing a series which we called Enjoying God, which is based on this book by Tim Chester. Uh, if you read Christian books, which obviously I'd encourage you to do, you might want to get hold of this and read it over the next uh, few days or few weeks or a few months up until Christmas. It's a really helpful book about enjoying God, and uh, we're going to do a five-part series based on that first two of which are this week and next Sunday. But the bulk of this term between now and Christmas is going to be focused on the series we're calling More Prayer. We are committed to praying. As Dan has said, we've got a prayer meeting next Friday morning to get the term going. I would encourage you, if you can't be here in the morning, to uh, spend time during the day to pray for us as a church and what happens amongst us here. And God's called us our mission together at this season. And uh, we felt that this term, we particularly wanted to lean into praying more, have a particular prayer focus. Just, we pray quite a lot anyway, but just felt that God was stirring us in this, that we, it would be good to really commit ourselves to prayer over the next few months. So you should have got one of these booklets during the break. If you haven't got one, stick your hand up, and uh, the Connect team can bring around, around to you. Keep your hand up until it gets to you. I just want to talk through this and explain what we're going to do. So on Sundays, when we're not doing our Enjoying God series, for 10 weeks uh, between now and Christmas, we're going to be on the theme of more prayer. And going alongside that is this 50 days of prayer. So crack open these booklets, which have been excellently put together by Zunel Healy. Is it now there this morning? Can't see her. Good job, Zunel. So there's an intro for me and Grace, which you can uh, read in your leisure. I'll explain uh, all the things that are in there now, really. So turn over to page three. You'll see that here we have some prayer commitments that we would like you to make. The first of these is being at prayer gatherings. You'll see there's 10 weeks. Now, if you turn to the end of this booklet, there are four pages which list a whole bunch of groups. What we're going to be doing this term is that rather than our normal life group system where you sign up for a group and you go to the same group each week. Uh, over this term, beginning on the 16th of September, two weeks tomorrow, at Graham and Claire Rabjohn's house and ending on Friday the 29th of November at Mark and Leslie Absalom's house, we are going to have prayer gatherings every evening, Monday to Friday, happening somewhere in the BCP area. There's also some daytime groups that you can see there as well. And uh, you don't have to sign up for these. There's no kind of accountability in that sense. It's just over to the body of the church that we want you to get to a prayer gathering every week. You're welcome to go to more than one if you want to, but we'd encourage, like every member of this church, to be at least one prayer gathering in the week. And at those prayer gatherings, we've asked that the, the only kind of constraints is that you pray, actually pray for between 30 minutes and an hour as you gather. So what we'd like you to do is to... Go through these, this list later on, look at your diaries, and back on page three, write down which prayer gatherings you intend to get to over the next ten weeks. 
Next thing we want you to do is to pray for specific people who you want to come to know Jesus. We're all about people coming to know Jesus at Gateway Church. And uh, it's good to pray for those that we're particularly wanting to see God work in. So write down three people that you're going to commit to praying for over this next season that they might come to know Jesus. Next thing we'd like you to do is to listen to a message that Brian Barr preached here in February. Brian, a good friend of ours from Houston, Texas, preached about asking, seeking, and knocking. It was such a helpful message in terms of thinking about what prayer is, what prayer does. So I'd really encourage you to listen again to Brian's message. It'd be great if you could do that in the next two weeks before we start 50 days of prayer. And then there's a space for your big prayer. This is a Opportunity for you to think about what is it I really want God to do in my life? What is it I really want God to do in our church, in our town, in our community, between now and Christmas? Think about those things, write them down, and commit to praying for them. Okay, all clear so far? Turn over to page five. There is a brilliant article by our friend Jenny Pollock from Grace Church in London called Auntie Ethel's Elbow, which is all about how to pray kind of framing the scope, the scale, the bigness of prayer. This is fuel, this is dynamite for your prayer life. So not now, not while I'm speaking, but later on, get home and read Jenny's article. That will really help you. Over to page 7 and biking the bounds. One thing we want to do, this was Grace's idea, was that um, it's helpful to kind of physically uh, step around, walk around, encompass the territory in which we operate. Of course, we believe that God has called us to the ends of the earth, to all the nations, but we feel a particular kind of calling as Gateway Church here to the BCP area, and we have people living across a wide area of the town. And so uh, in uh, this tradition in, in, uh, in some Anglican, particularly in rural churches, to beat the bounds at uh, this kind of time of year, where you walk around the parish boundary, uh, this is our territory in praying for the parish. And uh, our parish is not a small area like that, and there's a different kind of way we operate, but we have a sense of responsibility to the place in which God has put us. And so we want to bike the bound. So two weeks yesterday, Saturday the 14th, we're going to do a cycle ride starting here at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be about 30, 35 miles cycling around from Norma's house in Moordown across to Ben and Naomi's house in Litchia and all the bits in between. Um, there's a kind of a rough outline there rough timings. So if you want to cycle the whole thing, brilliant. Come and join me, 9 o'clock, Saturday the 14th here. If you just want to do a little bit of it, that's fine. It might be you just want to do the first leg. You just want to do the two miles between here and Liam and Prisca's house. You can do that. That's fine. Just come for that bit. It might be that you want to drive it instead and meet us at each point. Not so green, but we'll let you off on this occasion. It might be that you just want to turn up at one of the venues. It might be you think, actually, I've never been to Gordon Murner's house. I'd like to have a nose around. <laughs> 10.40 at Three Sorrel Gardens, be there. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause at each of these places just for five minutes for a drink and to pray God's blessing on that part of, of town. So it'd be great to have lots of people join in in some way, even if there aren't a huge number of us who cycle all 35 miles. Only the extremely physically talented will do that, obviously. <laughs> Over to page... Nine. Now, uh, for each of the ten weeks, there is a theme which we're going to be preaching to. There's a, a scriptural prayer, a prayer from the Bible, which is going to form the content of our 
praying for that week. There's some notes out of that script to help you focus your thoughts and your prayers. There's a short little prayer for you to pray, and then there's a BCP fact to help us keep focus on the place where we live. So when the groups gather, what we're going to ask you to do is that as you start to pray in the groups, to read through that scripture, read through the notes, pray together, and then pray for 30 minutes or so, an hour, asking God's blessing, and we'll be teaching into this. So when you come to pray, you'll have the Sunday message to, to lean into as well to help you in your prayers. So there's 10 weeks of that, and that is it. 50 days of prayer. Everybody clear? Thank you, Gemma. Great. It's going to be brilliant. So that's going to start two weeks' time. I think God's going to do some good things amongst us. Lord God, I do pray for us again. I pray as we uh, turn to your word now, as we think about enjoying you, what does that mean? I pray you to help us. And Lord, I ask as we, over the next couple of weeks, prepare ourselves for this season of really focusing on encountering you in the place of prayer. I ask that you would help us in that. I pray that uh, this would be a, a term when we take really significant steps forward in knowing God, in knowing the presence, the power, and the blessing of God upon us, where we see some breakthrough in our community, where we see the the favor of God poured out in our town, and uh, you pull us into uh, greater exploits of faith and trust in you. Amen. Okay. Tim Chester, his book, Enjoying God, begins with a chapter titled, more, which is fantastic. It's almost like we've planned it. The theme of this year at Gateway has been more, and we're going to be talking about more, knowing more of God this morning. This is where Tim Chester begins the book. I believe in more, more of God, more to come to be sure, but also more now. We can know God more. You can know God more. Knowing God, that is an extraordinary claim. Just think about it. It's an extraordinary thing to claim that we can know God. There are people who I know. There are places that I know. There are things that I know. But knowing God, in the previous generation, 1972, Jim Packer wrote what is now a Christian classic, Knowing God, this was formative, shaped a whole generation of believers in the 70s and 80s. Those of you who are a little bit older, perhaps you were shaped profoundly by this book as thousands and thousands of people were. Knowing God, this is the claim of our faith that human beings really can know God. And my hope this morning is that those of us who do know God, who follow Jesus, would be encouraged again and see something more of what this means, and that those of you who don't yet know God, you who aren't, what does it mean to know God, that we might help point you towards him this day. This is what Jim Packer says. When we speak of knowing God, we are using a verbal formula, and formulae are like checks. They are no use unless we know how to cash them. 1970s, another 10 years, we won't able to use the example of checks because nobody will know what, even what they are, never mind how to check, cash them. What, we are talking, what are we talking about when we use the phrase knowing God? A special sort of emotion, shivers down the back, a dreamy off-the-ground floating feeling, tingling thrills and exhilaration such as drug takers seek, or is knowing God a special sort of intellectual experience? Does one hear a voice, see a vision, find strange trains of thought coursing through one's mind, or what? These matters need discussing, especially since 
According to Scripture, this is a region in which it is easy to be fooled and to think you know God when you do not. We pose this question then, what sort of activity or event is it that can be properly described as knowing God? What does it mean to know God? Now, Tim Chester's book, Enjoying God, he starts by describing two principles that help us to answer that question. The first is this, that God is known through the three persons, so we relate to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is basic Christian belief that God is one, there is one God, but God is also three. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the songs that uh, John and Nancy have led us in this morning, we've been singing about the one name Jesus, and we've been singing about the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is one, but God is three. God is one, but God is Trinity. This is what Jesus said, John 14. Jesus answered his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip, one of the disciples, said, Lord, show us a Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. How can finite human beings know an infinite God? In a general sense, we just can't because God is so far beyond us. We can't, as human beings, know what godness is. I can no more kind of know what godness is than I can know what it is to be a bolt of lightning. It's just God is just an entirely different category from who we are as human beings beyond our comprehension. And so when we talk about God, we have to use analogy and we use metaphor. We say that God is like us human beings in some way. We say, well, human beings, what are we? Well, we're creative. And what's God like? Well, he is the creator. And what can human beings be like at their best? Well, like, human beings can be good to one another. And what is God like? Well, he is ultimate good. And Human beings can be kind to each other. And what is God like? Well, he is ultimately generous. These things help give us words, but they're actually utterly inadequate in really getting to grips with who God is and what he's like because he's God. He's beyond our comprehension. Or we say that God is unlike us. We say that God is infinite and we're finite. We say that God is unchanging, whereas we change, age, die. We say that God is eternal, whereas we're temporary. But even those terms 
The ways that we say God is unlike us leave us kind of grappling and grasping because the concepts soon get too big. Last year we did a, a series on, on this whole subject, looking at what God is like, the characteristics of God, and, and immediately running into the problems of these terms, infinite and eternal and unchanging, and trying to, as soon as you start to grapple those things, our finite human minds begin to burn fuses because you think about eternity, you think about something which goes on without any end, and because we're not like that, we just cannot grasp that. So there's a problem for us. How can we know God? Because if we describe God in terms and ways in which he's like us, that's inadequate. And if we describe God in terms and ways in which he's different from us, it just blows our fuses. How can we truly know God? The answer is that we know God by knowing the persons of the Trinity. So in this passage, John 14, when Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father, Jesus' response is, Philip, don't you know me? Because this is how it works. If you know Jesus, then you know the Father. And if you know the Father, you know the Spirit. And if you know the Spirit, you know Jesus. The way that you get to know God is by getting to know the persons of the Trinity. And this is one of the reasons why the doctrine of the Trinity is not just a kind of obscure, abstruse Christian idea. No, this is essential to us knowing who God is and what he is like. Who is God? God is one, but God is three. God is undivided. He's one, but God is a God who dwells in community, the community of the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we human beings are called into relationship with the persons of the Trinity. It's by knowing the three that we know the one. Now, what does that mean practically? Tim Chester says this, When you pray, for example, think of addressing your words to the Father through the Son with the help of the Spirit. Or when you read the Bible, think of the Father revealing himself in his Son by the Holy Spirit. Or think of the Son communicating his love to you through the Holy Spirit. The way that we know God is by knowing the Father, by knowing the Son, by knowing the Holy Spirit. And when you relate to one, you're relating to the one. By relating to one, you're relating to God. To see one is to see the other. Now here's a question for you. If you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, to which member of the Trinity do you have the strongest sense of a lived, experienced relationship? So I think probably most of us relate more easily to one person of the Trinity than another. It might be that you have a, a particularly kind of acute sense of the reality of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And when you think of God, actually your initial thought is drawn towards the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Or it might be that you have a particularly close relationship with the Father. When you think of God, your first term of reference, and of course this is how Jesus taught us to pray, is Father. That's probably actually my first point of reference when I think of God. It's first thing is my Father. 
For some people, that's much more challenging, especially those who haven't had good human fathers. That can actually be a block to understanding God as Father. It might be that you relate more to the Son, that you, can, you think of God and your first thought goes towards Jesus because somehow the idea of Jesus, Jesus who became a man and walked amongst us, it's easier for you to kind of somehow think of God as, as in, in, in Christ. Now, over the next few weeks, one of the things as we look at this series and as we then get into more prayer is one of the things I'd like us, us all to do, if you're part of this church, is to consciously, deliberately connect with each person of the Trinity. Now we, we try and do that in our corporate worship. We, we, John chose the songs carefully this morning. We've sung songs about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Consciously seek to connect with each person of the Trinity. Look for more in your relationship with God by seeing more of the Father, more of the Son, and more of the Holy Spirit. When you pray, for example, address your words to the Father through the Son with the help of the Spirit. When you read the Bible, think of the Father revealing himself in his Son by the Holy Spirit, or think of the Son communicating his love to you through the Holy Spirit. Look for more over this season. This is the first principle about how you come to know God. God is known through the three persons. We relate to the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The second principle Tim Chester gives us is this. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God in experience. Our unity with God in Christ is the basis of our community with God in experience. Now that's a bit of a mouthful, so I'll try and unpack it. Jesus said to Philip, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What Jesus was saying to Philip there and the other disciples was this, that there's a, a union between the Son and the Father. Jesus and the Father are united together, and that union they have means that they live in communion together. There's a relationship between the Father and the Son. And Jesus promised his disciples that they would know union with him, Jesus, somehow in a way, somehow similar to the way in which Jesus knows union with the Father. This is what Jesus says a few verses down in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me, and I in you. There's this promise of union. And what we see then is that in the experience of the first Christians, this phrase of being in Christ, united with Christ, becomes the way in which Christians are defined. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you're united to Christ. You're in Christ. You're a branch abiding in the vine. Romans 6, 11, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. How? In Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 5, In Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wonderful. Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ Jesus when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. This is union with Christ. 
So how do we achieve union with Christ? The wonderful good news, the good news of the gospel, is that we don't achieve it, but it is given to us as a gift. And it's so important that we see this. For those of us who are Christians, we can forget this. We need to keep reminding ourselves, your union with Christ, your salvation, has been given to you as a gift. If you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, what we're offering you today, what has been offered to you, what Jesus offers you is a gift that you can know him. He can give you that gift. This is the basis for our relationship with God. This is how we can come and ask God for more because God is gracious, kind, compassionate, generous, and he has given us himself. He's called us into union with Christ, and so we can ask for more in our experience of God. The good news of the Christian message is that there is not some spiritual ladder that we have to climb in order to get to God. No, God gives us relationship with him. Come in faith to Jesus and know unity with him. This is why it says in Ephesians 1.13, when you believed. That's all it takes. Believe in Jesus and you're called, pulled into this relationship, this union with him. And this union with Christ means that we, all of us who believe, are equally children of God. There are not different degrees of Christian. Our relationship with Christ is guaranteed by Christ himself. It's his work not ours. It's not a spiritual ladder that we have to climb. That's union, and that's amazing. It's fixed. It's a gift of God. Called into relationship with God. Believe, and you're called into relationship with Christ and marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Called into union with God. But the extent of our communion with God is shaped by our desires and our actions. Communion is about that sense of lived experience, your experience of relationship. And that is affected by our desires and our actions. Grace and I, in our marriage, in a sense, it doesn't, what I do makes no difference. Grace is committed to me, she's going to stick with me through thick and thin. But what I do also makes a considerable difference in terms of the reality of our communion, the relationship that we have. Past uh, 48 hours, the elder team have been away together for a couple of days, and we had an amazing time. And we, one of the things that we most celebrate is actually the richness of our communion together, our relationship, our friendship, our fellowship, our enjoyment, our fun with one another. Now, that doesn't happen by accident. That's taken years of work, of deliberate culture-building, decision-making. This is how we're going to do team this is what we're going to work for. This is what we're going to value. This is what we're going to invest. If you don't do that, you don't, get that, you don't go away, 20 of you, and have a brilliant time together. No, you, can, you have all kinds of irritations and fraction, factions and, and rubbing each other up the wrong way. It takes real investment in relationship to have real, genuine communion together. And if we're to experience communion with God, that is shaped by our desires and by our actions. This is what Tim Chester says. Our actions don't make us Christians or make us more of a Christian or keep us as Christians. So, so important. For our union with God is all his work, yes. But our actions do make a difference to our enjoyment of God. For our communion with God 
our enjoyment of our union with God involves a two-way relationship. You can be in union with God through Christ and be miserable as a Christian because you're not enjoying communion with God, which is yours as to lay hold of. Or you can be in union with Christ and know deep communion with God and the joy that brings. This is how it works. Union is one-way traffic. It's God's doing. It's God who calls us into union with himself through the work of Christ Jesus on the cross by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. It's God's work. But communion is two-way. It's us in relationship with God. And when you understand this, when you understand that the basis of your relationship with God is union which God has done, but then there's communion into which you're called, it avoids, helps us to avoid the trap of thinking our actions make all the difference. And this is a trap which all dead religion falls into, that the, it's all about human effort and action. My relationship with God is conditional upon my efforts, upon my works. My, I've got to keep climbing that spiritual ladder to stay in God. No, when you understand that union is one way, you're suddenly let off that awful treadmill of self-justification. You just come in freedom to God. God has done it. Hallelujah. But it also avoids the trap of thinking that our actions make no difference. And you can fall into this as well. There could be a kind of a fatalism about this or a kind of a hyper-grace thing where you think, well, whatever I do, it makes no odds to my relationship with God. Yes, it does in terms of how you experience relationship with God, just as in my marriage. Marriage is secure, but my actions have a profound effect on how it feels. It's like in our team, we're committed to being together, but how it feels is shaped profoundly by the decisions that we've made over the years. Christianity is about a two-way relationship with God. It's about communion with God, a communion we experience because of our union with Christ. And what we want to know, what I want us to know, what my prayer for myself, for you, for us is, for this season is that we would know more communion with God. Why do we get together? Why do we pray? Why do we worship? Why do we say, come on Friday morning and pray? Why do we say, come next Sunday night and worship? Why do we say, get together in people's houses for 50 nights between now and Christmas? Why? It's not in order to earn ourselves into a place with God. That's already guaranteed. That's given. That's a gift because what Christ has done is because we want to know communion with God. We know, want to know the reality of relationship with him, which is, is alive and fresh and full of meaning and joy and delight and peace and grace, and where we're savoring those things and we're strengthened by them and we're built up as a people by them. We want to know more of God, more communion with him. Now, practically, how do you, how do, you do that? How do you get into communion with God? Over the past four weeks, we've had a little series on one Small verse, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of breads, and to prayer. You know what that is? That's a picture of communion. When we talk about communion, we often just reduce it to one thing. It's the bread and the wine, our communion. But actually, it's the whole package, which is communion. It's communion with God. It's a relationship with Him. How do you grow in that relationship with God? Well, this is how the first church did it, through being devoted, by being devoted to the teaching, what does the Word of God say? Feeding on the words, learning it, absorbing it, imbibing it, stuffing yourself with it. 
How do you grow in communion with God? Well, you grow in communion with God by being in communion with his people. It's by fellowshipping with one another. It's by being together and speaking truth to each other and praying for each other and loving each other and building each other up. It is by the breaking of bread. It's as we come, as we will do in a few minutes' time, and we take the bread and the wine, and we are again pointed to the reality of the cross of Christ and what he has done and all that he's promised us. And it's through prayer. Prayer is not bringing our lists to God. Prayer is not just say, be with Auntie Ethel because of her sore elbow. Prayer is about knowing God. It's about relationship with him. It's communion with him. I believe in more. More of God, more to come to be sure, but also more now. We can know God more. You can know God more. Let's go for more this term. Sovereign Lords, I thank you for the wonder of our salvation. Thank you, Jesus, because of what you have done, your sacrifice on the cross, dealing with our sin, our separation from God, that we are now able to come into union with you. Thank you that when we believe, that moment of belief, we're brought into this amazing, unbreakable union with you. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Wonderful. We thank you that that then goes on into this lifetime experience we're called to of communion with God, of knowing you, of being in relationship with you. And Lord, I do pray that for us. I pray that for us now as we go back into worship. Lord, I pray for us as a church, as a community in this season. Lord, I ask it for us that we, I pray as we come to 50 days of prayer and in and out of people's homes praying together, I ask, Lord, that we would yeah, know fresh communion with the living God the reality of God at work amongst us. Let us know more. Thank you we can ask for more because you are generous and gracious and kind. Wonderful Lord, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, let us know more of you, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's dance. Let's worship.